Okay. Well, I never know how to start podcasts. Yeah, who does? You know, who? No one. There's normally a theme. I could start with theme music. Yes. Can you give us the theme music? Um, do you do? What's the name of it again? It's called Less Depressed Creatives. Less Depressed Creatives. Uh, Great. So it's got like a New York trumpet noise. So it's just like a little bit of like. Less Depressed Creatives. I'm using that for every single (laughs) one from now on. Good, good. I hope so. Honestly, I hope so. I hope that that's that's the intro for forever. Oh, that's amazing. So, uh, uh, yeah, mouth trumpets or something that I'm used to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm Josh, uh, and I'm Andy. Uh, my guest today. Yes. Yeah. I, I guess I'm going to be hosting this forever and always. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. Tell us the listeners. Yes. So uh, this is less depressed creatives, as uh, Andy put it so well with his trumpeting i can bring it back it's necessary <laughs> we're gonna outro with it as well too you yeah, have to do my, a, a, nice little, a nice little jazz freestyle <laughs> yeah. get good good i'll try um, and work on the rest of the horn section while we're doing <laughs> so just think about how that works that's so amazing um so yeah basically the whole idea behind the series is to kind of because everybody always like gets the good side from from like seeing creatives do their thing and they're always like wow they're doing like all these these cool things, all this cool shit. Oh, hell we're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna swear on this. It's, yeah, it's gonna oh, be cool. allowable. All right, PG thirteen rating just came in from uh, the CVC anyway, so I think yeah. we're good to go. Okay, I just awesome. got the letter this morning. <laughs> awesome. So we're well within those bounds. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of like we want to talk a little bit about what is like good about it, but also some of the the bad shit that you have to deal with too, because. Um, you know, like as much as, you know, like as a musician, um, I get to, you know, perform for people and and do go a bunch of cool places and, and do some cool things. But there's also, you know, the, the shitty back end of it and also like the come downs that are uh, very, very, very harsh. Which They're uh, super harsh and they're super real, too. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's just like I feel like we see just like so many highlights for everybody. I mean, it's kind of like the way that the world's kind of like orchestrated right now is just like oh here is the greatest parts of me and this is like a, a curated and like manufactured version of like being able to see that exactly if you can't post it on instagram does it does even it exist is do, yeah is it a is it a real thing yeah but uh yeah it's just like uh, i like i had this one uh like it was a bad stand-up bit um but it was just like no one is ever gonna post a photo of themselves uh it's just like in a bath covered in like loose linguine just like because that was what they decided to make that night and then like just like listening to kenny g and being like oh i'm like this is a bad this is a bad day this is not a great day no one's gonna like do that because like the the like counteraction of that even is just like people then reaching out and being like oh i feel like bad for you because you're going through like a bad day and then it just seems like so vice versa and like back in on itself yeah and i i like it's hard for people to understand that like you you can have both of those sides and it's it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> you know? exactly it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what we kind of want to talk about here. Um, and I mean, the reason I I want to talk to you, Andy, is because I feel like this is probably something that you're faced with a lot. But before we get into all of it, uh, do yeah. you kind of want to just tell us a little bit about your background and what you do currently? Yeah. Okay. I guess yeah, like an introduction. Yeah. Uh, for myself, man, I oh I. I, I this will be great because I love to talk about myself a lot. Um, <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, I my name is Andy Perry. Um, Andrew, if you want to get formal about it, I guess. Uh, We're super formal here, too. Yeah, super formal. Yeah. So I guess it's uh, Dr. Her Majesty <laughs> Andrew Perry, if you're, <laughs> you're trying to get Dr. to that. Dr. Her Majesty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Her Majesty. Two titles <laughs> that I've claimed on my own. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty great. Um, but uh, I'm the artistic director of uh, Hitchhiker's Improv, which is a like a comedy company here in the city. Uh, we've been doing that for uh, seven years now. Jesus. Seven? Seven or six. I guess two, like late 2011 okay early 2012 is when okay. we kind of like uh amalgamated a group of people and started like producing our own shows it's Ooh. taken a lot of different forms uh as to like where it is now um but yeah like that's been a 
that's been a, uh, a lot. Um, outside of that, uh, my day job is working as a video producer for an ad firm here in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, where I get to help uh, direct, uh, produce, and shoot uh, commercials and social videos for uh, large-scale clients, which oh. is, like, pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how did you first kind of get into your creative practice? What was the thing that inspired it? Oh, what inspired it? Uh I guess this goes back uh, further than time itself, uh, uh, way back when. Um, but it probably started when I was like a lot, a lot younger. Is that my parents would put me through uh, like a bunch of different things, like like so many sports. I did baseball for five, six years. I did wrestling for three years. I went to three summers worth of basketball camps. I just like did all of these things that like uh, I never, I guess, really got invested in. Um, I, even now, I don't know what the thing was that just made me go. I'm, I don't like this. Um, maybe it was because I was godforsakenly terrible at all of them. Except for wrestling. A surprise a surprise fact for anybody uh, out there. I was... Uh, Give a pretty mean arm bar. Or yeah, what? just the one. Yeah, just <laughs> one good move. And honestly, very easy to counter if you watch me more than three matches in a row. And that was when I was eight. So, I mean, <laughs> probably the exact same move now. <laughs> just turning someone's wrist over and that's it. Uh, I, I know a full Nelson still. That's about it. Uh, um, but then as I, like, kept growing older is that uh, one of the things, because like, my parents would, like, try out for uh, anything. They just kept, like, picking pockets. And then I did, a, like, a two-and-a-half-week-long drama, like, summer camp back when I lived in Calgary with my best friend at the time named Dallas. Um, cause I was just like, I need something to do during the summers. And my parents weren't like, Oh, I'm going to leave you at home because you're a baby. Uh, which is just seems dangerous because of course the first thing I would do is turn on all the burners on the oven and try and cook six different things of Jiffy pop. And like, that was the kind of kid, like that was the kind of kid that I was. It was just like, Oh, the rules are off now. I'll take it. Uh, but they put me into this drama camp. Um, and that was where I think I like started getting into like theater and like thinking that that was like a much, uh, stronger form of like. Uh, what I wanted to do, I found it fun in like the acting, costumes, hats, jackets, just like things like that that I found super exciting. Um, and then from there, it just kind of like kept growing and growing. And then when I was in grade 11, uh, I was just at the end of my pop punk phase, uh, hair just like down to my shoulders. Yeah. Like I was like a, a fucking ratty kid. Uh, but then I started just like, uh, growing into like being somebody and uh, a friend of mine asked if I wanted to do uh, improv and just like said go to the audition uh, it'll be great it'll be fun loved it instantly and then just like over years it was just like something that I was like I don't want to stop doing this I want to keep learning it I want to start understanding it more like what is this super peculiar art form that whose line it is is it anyway just like happened to make like the funniest and like most successful show yeah. um and that's kind of just like where it started yeah yeah that's, i guess yeah um so what did your what did your parents or what do your parents do like for jobs yeah like uh, are they involved in the creative industry oh god no? it's so far away from it uh my my parents are uh just like the the strangest hippies in the world. Um, they were super young when they had me and they were both just like hard, hard rockers through like the late eighties. Uh, and is, it, it, yeah, it was a really strange house to grow up in, in the best ways possible. Cause they were still like kids, like they were still young mm. and everything. Um, my, uh, my mother currently works at, I believe as a sales agent for WestJet as of right now, uh, helping uh, associate people through travel uh and then uh my father uh is currently in the middle of working with uh health canada oh. on uh creating a uh, grow up for cannabis that's my parents to a t <laughs> helping people fly and helping and other people get high <laughs> that potentially at the same time yeah they say like mile high club like you know it's got a lot of different forms to it <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah so yeah. like uh that's like that's what they both do they've mm -hmm. both been like incredibly supportive mm -hmm. um for people that are like both relatively like conservative in nature yeah. but free in spirit very mm. contradicting yeah but they've been really supportive. Yeah. So they do they have their own creative practices as well too? Or were you the kind of the first one uh, 
to break out of that? Um, I, I guess like one of the things that got me into like video and photography is one thing. Um, See, Andy does everything. Yeah, I'm wearing, <laughs> uh, I got multiple hats. So it's just like, you know, you got a little like paper boy hat uh, and then like a sombrero. No, I don't wear sombreros. That's not, that's not, I don't. That's not very good in the, in the winter weathers here. It just, it's it not just collects practical. a lot of snow on top of it and it's very difficult to keep around. It's just heavy. It hurts your neck just, yeah, most of the time. It's not very practical. You just have it. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, theater for sure. I was like the first one in like a long line of just like, uh, hard, like intense trades men, uh, was like all of my father and all of my mother's like lineage as well was like those two kind of things. Um, so I think like for theater, for sure, I was like one of the first people in our entire association of family to just be like, I think I want to do this and like take it seriously. Um, but then photo and video, uh, I've got a pretty, uh, it's a little bit heart touching for photo. Um, when I was 15, 15 or 16, uh, we went to my great grandmother's house and she had Alzheimer's. Um, and I remember we were sitting there and I had this afternoon talk with her, uh, which was like one of the last conversations that I ever had with her. Uh, and she, uh, we talked about love, life, school, just like the idea of like growing and everything like that. And then at the end of the conversation, uh, she had asked me, uh, what my name was. And I was like, oh, it's Andrew. And then she said, uh, I have a grandson named Andrew. And that was just like a moment that I was like, oh shit, like this is insane. Um, and so that made me like understand memory a lot more. And I think it grew into this giant fear of like, being scared of one day looking at anything and not being able to understand it. Uh, and then her husband gave me one of his old film cameras before he passed. And that was the first time that I ever started taking photographs. And that just made me go, even if there's not a time that I can remember any of these faces, I know that there's a mood and an understanding behind them. And like, then from there, that's kind of just like transformed. So were there certain things that you would photograph at first then? Uh, a lot of it was like, nature still life kind of things just like not a lot of people at the beginning which was like i don't know why um i think i was like i found it so strange just like the architecture of a person i was like a photograph will never be able to capture a person to the way that they need to be you can't hear them they're not saying anything here you're just looking into the eyes of someone which it turns out you can do that and people make money doing that um but yeah it was a lot of just like architecture still life nature flowers skies the sunset i have so many photographs of the sunset and it's just like the the dumbest thing in the world uh for a while uh, just like in my room it was just like poster upon poster of just like all these sunsets that i've taken i was like yeah these are all different days no idea yeah. what they mean now but they're there were they from different spots at least yeah they that, were all okay. from the different spots <laughs> just stood the on my roof sunshine. yeah just for every day i'd go out and i'd just stand on my roof and take a picture of the sun in the same spot and be like ah a new day cataloged uh i'll put this in my journal and read it uh yeah different sunsets different sunsets yeah, yeah. Nice. um so did you travel a lot then or was it just kind of just from from different spots around town or what uh i guess like when i was a kid i moved a bunch hmm. um like we were always moving houses in the same town uh originally i'm from uh okotoks uh and calgary area of alberta um and so like we would just move around house to house around there and then i moved to regina when i was like 14 and then went traveling for six five months uh through europe with a bunch of buddies when i turned nine 18 i guess i turned 18 at the time hmm. uh and we were just like fuck it let's go and so like everywhere that i would go it would just be like cameras at my hip like just constantly grabbing anything that i could anywhere because i just like yeah innately it was like oh this is a pretty thing but i know that in the back of my head it's because like i don't want to forget this at some point yeah 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 man alzheimer's is yeah that is well that's 100 percent my my biggest fear it's the it's it's crazy yeah. like it's crazy to to see and just like uh yeah to just watch that process that somebody else can like go through and so many people go through too mm -hmm. is just like it, it's so scary it's so scary yeah. um like when i was 
in grade 10, my dad had an aneurysm. Yeah. Um, and so I was actually also living in Calgary for a while because uh, that's my, my family had to move there so he could get better treatment for it. Right. Um, and like he, he doesn't have Alzheimer's, but like he has and he's better now. But like at the very beginning, especially like his short term memory was just like almost non-existent. Right? Like it's it's it was hard to have conversations sometimes because you're just like, well, like, what are you what are you going to remember from this? Right. Like, yeah. Even, having that like in the back of your head is like you know like are we gonna have to like talk about this again is this gonna be something that happens again in 12 hours yeah if not less or if not more yeah yeah Yeah. it's such a like memory is so fickle and i think that we like take we take it for granted so much like so so much on a day-to-day basis um yeah like i'll catch myself getting angry internally when i even like forget like uh, the date of something that's happening mm. or like uh, a show or just like anything that like yeah any kind of forgetfulness just because like I, I it's so ingrained in there now where it's just like ah! nope yeah yeah uh do you think that plays into what you've been doing with improv at all yes and no okay uh i think i think my, one of like my favorite aspects about uh improvising on a stage in the way that we do it is that in that moment and when we're all there together the group of us uh and we're making up dumb shit and we're just like constantly uh beaming with energy is that it's something that it's only going to ever exist that once Mm. you just like you can't recreate it no matter how hard anyone ever tries when like improvising like that is just like it's impossible to recreate it specifically. So knowing that that moment is just exactly where it is and that's all that it will ever be is so peculiar and specific because it's not necessarily something that I'll ever look back on. Just understand that it happened and be so appreciative of that moment that it was, but not ever have like this, the doubt or anything like that that rests afterwards because I go, that was the show. It's over. It's done. Move on. There's more. Right. Yeah. Um. So can you kind of give like a rundown of like how like an improv show would work? <laughs> oh, baby. Because I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I go to shows and I, I enjoy it, but like I don't understand like how how it's how, how it happens yeah it's uh, uh i used to have uh when i first started getting into it i used to work at uh blockbuster rest in peace real quick a moment of silence yeah. i used to work at blockbuster and uh my boss uh uh like he used to do theater when he was a kid so he like knew like improv games and whatnot but he also used to, he would poke fun at me so much for it uh and so one time i was like uh, hey, I need like a bunch of extra shifts because I want to try and go to this like uh, improv camp. Uh, and he would always make the joke. He's like, why don't you just mime giving them money? What? Are they not appreciative of the arts? And it was just like, yeah, all right. Okay. You don't understand how this works as a facility at all. Pretty much what happens um, if you were to like walk into one of those rooms where an improv show is about to happen, uh, you take a seat and a quirky host comes out and right away is like bantering with you and kind of like a taxi. You get a little bit warm into that circumstance. Uh, and then normally a group of people will come out. Uh, I've seen a lot of duos, seen a lot of solos as well. And like watching someone do like a solo scene in any circumstance is insane. Like kudos to them for being able to pull it off. Um, They'll get a suggestion from the audience and then we use our skills of just like building together uh, and like listening and acceptance and just like that common phrase of like yes and to then curate these stories, scenes and ridiculous things based off of whatever the ask for was. Like that's always um, Joanna Bundin, who's like a huge mentor, uh, always says that your ask for is kind of either like your diving board or your swimming pool. It's either that's your jumping point for everything okay. or you're about to be inside of it for forever. Hmm. So we get to kind of like decide that in the moment on the stage where it's either like, oh, this is something that we'll always relate to or this is the point of like where we're jumping from. And then we just create things from there. Um, so I guess like what kind of practice goes into this then? Because, I mean, you mentioned, like, one principle, right? The yes and, which yeah. I think most people have probably heard of. But yeah. um, 
I'm sure there's a lot more there's to so, it. Yeah, there's, yeah. like, uh, it's such a, like, a weird craft and, like, starting to understand it a lot more um, through, uh, like, mentors like like Alistair Cook and, like, Jaden Pfeiffer, just, like, two people that I think of, like, right away. Uh, Kirsten Rasmussen and, like, Amy Shostak, just, like, these brilliant geniuses of comedians that are now doing things across Canada uh, with this art form is uh, so beautiful. Um, there's kind of, like, uh, one way of, like, looking at it is that, you have to kind of go through like a set of things. So like the idea of yes and can be like uh, deconstructed a little bit more into this thing of like you got to be available to the moment and then you got to accept the moment and then you can respond and support it uh, mm -hmm. and then express your own idea on top of it. And you kind of are doing those things as fast as possible on top of other people listening to them as well. Mm -hmm. So there's like a lot of like skill building in these things uh, at a base level where it's just like, First, you got to learn to take risks and be like so ready to be a dumb shit and just like l totally just like shed your skin and be like, uh, I'm going to be a vulnerable piece of shit on stage because I want to do a bunch of British accents tonight. And like, that's what you run with for a while. Uh, and then afterwards, you're like, um, maybe that wasn't a great decision or it totally was. And it won't matter unless you take that risk regardless. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is like acceptance. Um from other people's ideas and also accepting your own ideas, which is uh, sometimes the scariest thing in the world mm. is like thinking of an impulse, grabbing onto it, not knowing if it's going to be great and then throwing it into the middle of this like framework. Um, but then we teach everybody to then look at that beautiful idea that someone's so scared of throwing in and supporting it like a golden treasure. And then someone who runs in going, I've got two hands full of spaghetti and I don't know what's for breakfast. And then you're like, wait, what is happening? And then you watch six people be like, ah, breakfast is the most important meal and spaghetti will be perfect for it for this reason. Exactly. Uh, and then they like cut up a bunch of dry spaghetti and make a beautiful breakfast out of it. And it's like, great. That's what happened. <laughs> and now that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are kind of just like what exists on stage. Yeah. Um, so I guess what kind of stops people from actually like doing that sometimes? Because I, I feel like sometimes when I watch on stage, you can tell that like people are just like hesitant to kind of give themselves to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They like they hit that brick wall. And I think that's still just like our human nature a little mm -hmm. bit is just like um, we're so afraid of what people think. We're so scared of our own thoughts being exposed anywhere. It's such a vulnerable piece of us that we're throwing out anywhere this is like and this can go for any creator is just like uh a painter will spend months painting a piece and then has that like has to like put it onto a showcase and think that it's good enough to put onto a showcase uh as you know with music it takes so much practice and time and uh getting the lyrics and knowing your own melody and your rhythm just like everything behind it um whereas like in a lot more deconstructive of a set uh like improvisers that like just do that with their first impulse in thoughts. So instead mm. of like uh, knowing exactly what's going to happen, like inside of a play, they have to just like try and trust their own gut. But it's so human nature to just like be like, I want to sit back. I want to just like keep myself reserved because I'm so scared of what could happen. Um, and so like your thought of self-doubt, totally takes over in some of those circumstances and that's when you can see someone on the sidelines just like ready to pounce and then they back off right away because they're just like that wasn't the idea mm. or maybe that idea is not good enough which just happens uh do you want to tell like so i mean the series is going to be called less depressed creative so we got to like get into that yeah, there's that feeling it. I'm yeah, there's feeling that sweet it. jazz. <laughs> Keeps coming back. Um, but are you willing to share kind of like a really bad story of like an improv scene that went really terribly for you? Um, maybe not. Uh, not necessarily an improv because uh, I do have a comedy bit. Okay. That for sure. Um, I guess this will be like this is. 100% like the darkest mm. like moment in comedy that I can like remember over the last like seven years um so it was november of last year uh and i was just coming out of uh just like hands down like the worst version of heartbreak that i'd like ever gone through um at the same time i had like stuff at uh my family was going through back home which was like uh tumultuous uh and then also uh work was pushing me at like 70 hours a week 
and the theater season was like in the middle of running. And so like all of this was all happening at once, um, which yeah, I mean, things of course are going to happen like that. Uh, so I built this routine that I thought that was going to be super cathartic. Uh, and it was like, don't get me wrong. It totally was. Uh, but it was this stand up set um, that ended up turning into more of a performance art piece uh, at our one show, Be Rude, uh, where I spoke on behalf of how vulnerable I was after my breakup and just like the person that I had like kind of reformed into being at that time. And then it ended with a song that was like full of like dumb jokes uh, and things like that from our relationship. Um, and like, this was like the one thing that I had like thought that was going to be, uh, like so intense and so great. And then, uh, what ended up happening is that she was there, she was at the show, uh, and she sat second row and it, like, and it was just like the hardest, like hands down the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life was like, I was sitting, uh, pacing in the back. Uh, and Tom Duffy, uh, just like grabbed me on the shoulder and he was just like, Hey, would you do this? If, uh, you know, if she wasn't here, would you still do the same thing? And I went, yeah. And then she's like, well, then you can do it because like, that's, you're doing it for you. You're not doing it for them. Yes. This changes it a little bit, but like fucking go through and do it. Uh, and I think it was just like that little bit of like morale boost that made me go, fuck yeah, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then just did this entire set about just like the strange, peculiar sad things that had happened to me within like the last month or so and then ended with this song uh and then she didn't say anything to me after the show and her and i actually haven't spoken like since then but like that was probably like one of the darkest like strangest mm. pieces that for sure was like not even funny like it was just like me being like i'm a sad piece of shit and here's 14 <laughs> reasons why uh and just like yeah going on like the tangent because i was like oh man make comedy out of your breakup that's how this works it, it was tough yeah super tough to do that because i think that's something that people underrate is just like how many like bad ideas you have to go through to get oh. to the ones where you are happy with them right? yeah oh yeah <laughs> like how like for every like piece of comedy that you write how many do you think you actually end up using like in a longer term scenario? My roommates will for sure tell you that I just shock an attack by making jokes all the time. And then they'll, uh, my roommate Cambudra will literally rate them where he'll just be like, yeah, two out of 10. <laughs> and I go, okay, I won't use that in a show. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that that idea never exists again. Um, but like when it comes to like sit down and writing or, even like building a framework for our shows, like for uh, improvising inside of, uh, I think out of them, it's only like two out of 10. Like it'd probably be like one fifth of the things that I like think would be good or something like that. I think I'll scrap and I'll throw away uh, or I'll read it over and over and then find what I think is successful out of it tear that out of it, throw the rest of it away and then try and find a new idea for that. So that way, um, like when we'll go to perform something or we go to uh, write a parody song or do some sketch or something like that is that it's just such a, it's a weird curation of all these other ideas that have been depleted and destroyed because I was like, that's not good enough. These are bad. This is terrible. Hmm. Um, and I think it's just like, you've got to learn from your mistakes and your fuck ups for sure. So like take it, like make as many fuck ups as you can. Cause it's just like, that's going to be the shit that makes you better in the long run. Anyways, is like, that's going to be something that you're going to be able to look back on and be like, maybe I won't do a set about my <laughs> ex while she's sitting right there. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I will never do that again. Uh, and like, just find ways, uh, to take those like, Things that either, like, even if you don't agree with them, um, find ways that you find it successful and then take that into something else instead. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, okay, let's, what is, like, the thing that you love most about having this creative practice of doing the improv? Yeah. Or, like, anything, I guess, like, the photography, video, whatever it is. Um, and what is also something that, like, is on the opposite end where it's, like, this fucking sucks this like fucking, that's that this is, is the worst yeah uh so uh photography 
and improv I can kind of like combine together for the same thing that I love about them. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I'll speak about the negatives of both. Sure. Uh, I think the way that I now like uh, approach both um, is that I get to see a little bit of the human of every person that I either take a photograph of or get to perform with on stage. Um, I mean, uh, as stated like a few times, is like improvising such a weird, vulnerable act as it is, as is getting your photograph taken. Like you're you're trying to portray yourself. And then you as a photographer are also trying to capture that human in a way. Um, so I think a lot of it comes down to like eye contact and just like, being and sharing this moment with the other people either on stage or in a studio in any way and just like really like being there and being a part of that and being able to like see them a little bit is probably yeah the thing that i love the most and then on the negative side of it uh i second guess my photography 100 percent of the time like there's like a sliver of things where i'm just like oh this is good this is the one that i like Uh, But even then I get so hesitant to do anything with it. Uh, And like, just like thinking about like the amount of like photo projects that have just been like uh, diminished or gone or lost now, because like I didn't like them at the time, even though I started them and would try to get through them. And then by the end of it, I'd be like, maybe this isn't what I wanted out of it at the beginning. And then threw it away. You throw them away. Oh yeah. There's like, I have so many different, like, uh like sets or just like things that i've done with people or ideas that i've like tried to create uh that are now just like these weird back burners of things that are just like lost in an archive on hard drives like at home where i'm just like i don't know what i'm gonna do with this now is it something that i want to revisit it's real great when i'm trying to like think of something new uh because i'll go back through those and be like what was your brain thought at this time what do you hate about it what do you like about it great take that over um yeah, but for sure, even like that, like social media is the worst fucking thing in the world. As much as we all crave the validation, baby, we just crave it so fucking much. It's so it likes. I mean, it's not. You know, it's like some days you're like, oh yeah, I'm really. This is great. This is the best. And some days you're like, I'm gonna be a little baby about it. Um, but you do something, and then you look at other people's work or things like that and you go oh that's not me i i need to get better i need to do something more um so that way you can do that you can like find the way that you're like next best at something and i think the same thing goes for like uh improvising is that there's sometimes i was just in toronto and i went and saw a bunch of my friends perform and then uh i loved the show like i haven't sat back and been able to really like watch a show and not be in like part of the production team of it mm-hmm. but i just sat down in an audience and like watched the show and it was that like recollection of magic of being an audience member for something like that and then totally made me think holy shit i'm not good my friends are fucking fantastic they're so funny they're so clever how do they think of this shit uh and even after doing it for like uh like seven eight years now i still just like look at some people cam chaman's a great example of this guy is my best friend with him all the time he still is one of the best performers i've ever like watched like he just knows and is so smart and constantly makes me like sit in that shadow of him sometimes because i just like look at what he does and i'm like shit this guy's funny this guy's friggin' hilarious i'm not that and that i think those are like the the dualities of things is just like uh you for sure get so much self-doubt in any creative practice because i mean you're gonna be your own worst critic that's just like that's been said and it always will be i think that's tough So out of that, I so we're talking about kind of that self that self doubt aspect of it. Yeah. So is there anything that you know you? What is like the one thing I guess that you regret most? Like looking back on like any of the stuff you've done for improv. Like uh, stuff that I regret the most is in like the most regretful thing that's ever existed because of like improvising or regret it is in the sense of like I self doubted myself so much that I like refrained from making a decision. I feel like those are kind of tied together. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Most regretful moment all time. Um, 
most regretful moment for sure is uh, this one time I was working the same summer camp that I tried to go to. Uh, I ended up teaching it later and I was hosting a show uh, and a girl did a poem about Jeffrey Dahmer from the perspective of his mother discovering all of the like body parts in his mm. fridge. Uh, and I was hosting the show uh, and I uh, went up right afterwards and uh, in a very positive and chipper tone said to this entire room of 14 to 18 year olds, you know, sometimes people say that I look like Jeffrey Dahmer and the room went silent and it was the quietest that it has ever been and this is my second year as like a teacher and i was like yeah you're just trying to come back just trying to come back uh but that shit haunts me at night <laughs> it's just like once saying that i have physically been resembled to like this this uh this person who used to like eat people to a room of like 14 and 18 year olds that look up to me like that was just uh yeah that shit fucking sits with me sometimes um and then regret in, like, decisions that I haven't made because of, like, uh, like, own self-doubt when it comes to, uh, improvising. Improv, I think improv's pretty tough to, like, nail down a specific moment because you run through so much of those, like, self-doubt things on stage as it is that they kind of get, like, lost over time. Uh, and because of the, all of the shows kind of get, like... Uh, scattered and lost and are thrown away because you're creating it in the moment and you don't spend months and months and months practicing it. Um, that's kind of tough to find a time that I was like, that I think my self-doubt held me back the most. So, so like as the artistic director, you probably just have to deal with a, so Lots. many different things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like on that back end, all the fun stuff. Right? All the, yeah, there's like, there's times when people like walk away from a show and just like be choked about it. Uh, and sit in the back and they they were fucking fantastic on stage mm. they were unreal and they'll walk back and be like i didn't feel great about that show and kind of like sink into themselves and it's uh it's just like that moment of being there and uh we have this saying uh and we do it before every show is that we'll always say got your back um and uh even if they walk off like negatively uh, and even if it was a bad show it's always about just like giving that positive affirmation to them and be like hey listen you're gonna grow from that you're gonna be better there's another show in a month forget about this one this one's like gone um and as comedy kind of like has now ascertained itself to be is that it's always filled with people who have so much difficulty with mental health like there's uh we did a poll i think two years ago when we started uh doing this thing with uh, our velocity festival where we donate uh money to local mental health initiatives and kind of one of like our um like the lead things that we do with the company is that we did a poll and we found that like 85% of the company is like diagnosed with like a mental illness of some kind or has more commonly uh, negative mental health days than positive ones. And then after like talking to everybody and understanding it is that they find uh, this is an outlet for creating something where they get that, uh, that beautiful validation and seeing the like, uh atmospheres of support and acceptance when we practice and whatnot and then get to go be a dumb shit on stage and kind of just like lose yourself for 40 minutes yeah where you're like now i'm the little british boy that i was trying to be before here we go and then making that decision for you know 40 minutes uh but sometimes it can get real dark like sometimes uh, a lot of stuff is happening uh, people are going through things and sometimes the practices are very low-key sometimes everyone's just like got a lot going on and we just like take that breath and really just like if that's the space and the energy that we need then right now we're going to make sure that we support and take care of each other for that um empathy has been like uh both beautiful and difficult because being so empathetic is that a lot of these stories end up getting like capsuled inside of each other where uh We'll do highs and lows, which is we'll, we'll say like uh, a high of something that's happened in the last week and then a low of something that's happened in the last week. Mm. And sometimes when those lows are all really low is that you just feel the energy of the room just like sink. And now everybody's like living inside of that. And then we find ways to destroy that or to take it and like uh, expend it into some form of expression, um, which is really kind and cathartic to ourselves to like find an outlet for that kind of intense negativity because yeah pe like people go through so much um have you ever heard of a term called saundering 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 
I've heard of it, but like I feel like you have like an actual definition. I, on well, your hands. Ki- uh, kind of. <laughs> I discovered this word not too long ago. Love it to bits. Um, uh, but it's the idea that like uh, to catch yourself sauntering is to start like walking somewhere and understanding that like everybody that you see has a life that's just as like vivid and complex as your own. Okay. Shit fucks you up. Like actually started to like understand it because I was like, you're sitting on a bus. It's just a bus. You're going wherever it is going. You know, you're you're taking the number nine to downtown. No, but does anybody ride public transit in this city? Not this winter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> for sure. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, but just like knowing that, like everybody goes through different levels of shit all the time, and yeah, just like that understanding that everyone's got something that they've been through. Yes, of course, some people's shit is worse than others when put, like, pinpointed next to each other. But everybody's emotions are also so valid inside of each of their own demons. And I think that's something that we need to start being more understanding with each other with. For sure. Um, It's kind of like the thing where, you know, like, a little kid, like, the best thing that's ever happened to them is, like, getting an ice cream. Yeah. But that doesn't change, like, their feeling of... Like, no. how happy they are. Yeah. Mean, or, or how scared they are of, like, you know, seeing a spider or something. Like, Well, I mean, spiders all fuck shit up. <laughs> that, that, that could still be the case, yeah. like, 20 years later, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, just, like, understanding that everybody's feelings are valid. Like, yeah. whatever it is, right? Like, that's that's awesome that, like, you guys get to do that as a group. And that that's that's part of the beauty of what you guys have here, right? It's, that, yeah, it's, yeah. Very, it's very nice yeah. to have... And to know that, like, a couple times a week that I have a spot where, e- like, even if shit's bad or, like, something's going on or it was a bad day, is that uh, we all have a spot to then, like, spew all of that energy and then light it on fire and just be, like, supportive idiots towards yeah. each other with it all. Because I think audiences forget that. that like, you actually have to go through, like, this bad shit that you're talking about, like, on stage sometimes for this to actually be, you know, a funny moment. Yeah. You know, you have to go through that. Yeah. Oh, the uh one of my favorite scenes of all time uh was done i think it was in 2015 it's in the 2015 uh and uh cam Chaman and sam gross uh two of the other owners of hitchhiker's improv were doing a scene together on stage and one of them was kind of going through like a rough spot in their relationship uh and the other person uh was kind of like going through some stuff uh with their family and then it was just like this scene with like uh i think it was a father and his daughter and it was just watching both of them very directly through these characters talk about their own problems in real life but it was funny because it was so sincere and real and like dangerous to the moment uh and and like looking back at it now and just like understanding that that's what they were going through just made me be like yo yo (laughs) it's just like yeah it's it's cool to watch yeah that's how I feel like about certain certain artists where like you listen to the song and you're like, there's no way that's not a real moment. You know? Yeah. Like the emotion behind it. Like, I mean, maybe some people can fake it, but like, I, how, how, <laughs> how can you, how can you do that? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I mean, especially since, you know, 90% of songs are like about relationships. Like there's no way that's like everyone's had that kind of like that heartbreak or into some capacity anyways and so that's cool i think that like if any if anybody gets anything out of this i i think it's like that sondering like even even for like you know people you're watching on screen on a you know on a tv show like while you're watching netflix like those people actually have those feelings like those are happening you know yeah 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 that's yeah that's crazy to think about Okay. Yeah, don't get yourself caught too much in it because it's like a real weird spiral. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was on an airplane uh, a couple months back, uh, late October, uh, and uh, I was just like on the plane. I was just kind of like looking around, and then I just like caught myself getting into that state of like hmm. trying to like understand everybody's story. And then because of how my brain works, started filling in the gaps of the way that I thought that these people's like stories were working. And I was like, so you that... built like whole histories. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, that guy had a book that was very unsuccessful. Oh man! And it was like like found these things, uh, and then realized that it was like starting to take a toll on me emotionally because I was like, oh man, everybody on this plane's kind of got something going on, uh, and. And I was like, that's a, that's a real negative way to like look at things. Um, 
But you also got to look at like the positives for everybody too, even when making up stories for them. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it, though, right? Is like whatever, whatever way you are thinking of it, and like it's still a valid way of like imagining these. Uh, yeah, these you lives. get to <laughs> create whatever uh, Brian uh, Johnson, you know, the guy sitting in four who B. only sold ten thousand copies of his his book. <laughs> yeah, his publisher just Your has like a murder whole mystery room novel ball, yeah. was bullshit. <laughs> You'll never be Dean Koontz. You'll never be Dean Koontz. Uh, Doctor uh, <coughs> Her Majesty. Doctor Her Majesty's. It just it didn't pan out. For it did. Yeah, you know what? It, uh, yeah, I don't know that if that was the title or. Hey, they get to make it. You know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, cool. I think like we've gone on for like pretty long time this is my bad i this, like to no talk. no i'm not saying this is a bad thing like it's 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 felt natural i was just looking at the time and i was like holy shit like <laughs> we've been here a while okay. um so i guess to kind of wrap up i don't want it to be like too sad the entire time yeah yeah, yeah and i mean yeah. I, th- I think we've had a pretty good mix this is a pretty good first episode i hope so yeah. i hope people from here on out then listen and go i want more god damn it more of this more of it and More I... of those Dean Koontz novels. <laughs> we all need them so bad. Not gonna lie, I don't even know who Dean Koontz is. I don't know. I read his name at the airport not too long ago. I had like a picture of like a guy in a fedora with a gun in it. It's like, like one oh, of those like a really be. classic novel. Like oh yeah, yeah. It, it has to be. It has to be just like weird film noir like kind of thing. That's where the trumpet comes in. <gasps> Full circle. <laughs> I was gonna try and do a trumpet, but I can't. You're... Can you can you give me a little bit? I'll maybe I'll do yeah, some got, bars over it. it. Less depressed. Creatives. Yeah, that feels go. like New York. That feels good. <laughs> okay, just a couple questions. Yeah. While we end this off, um, what's the best gift you've given that was under a hundred dollars? I made a book for a girl. You made a book. I made a uh, a one hundred and fifteen page book for a girl. Um, yeah, uh, loved her lots. It was her birthday. Uh, I figured I'd give her something special, so I made a five four chapter book uh, that was filled with uh, poems that I wrote by myself, um, uh, my own photography, and then blended with uh, photography and inspiration that I think that she would like. Uh, and then the end of it was all filled with comedy, uh, and it. It's just like all of these like one-off jokes that are part of that uh, 80% of things that I don't want to share with people. So it was just like all of these like things that I just like uh, impulsively thought of mm. uh, and wrote on. It was just like a like a little moleskin. Yeah. Um, I guess if you cost ink of the printer, uh, maybe we're approaching $100. But that was, I think, the best gift that I've ever made someone. I think like, those are always the best gift. Like the best gift I've ever received was for a Secret Santa when I was uh, doing a semester abroad. And they gave me this book and it had like a bunch of pictures I'd taken, like they'd, they'd <gasps> taken them from the internet and, or yeah, Facebook, I yeah, guess yeah, that yeah. still yeah, qualifies yeah. as the internet. That's the internet. Um, well, it's a government on its own now, but <laughs> it's, it's there. It's part of the internet. Um, and they, and they also like got everybody from within our friend group to kind of say like, what was your favorite moment with Josh? And like, what was, ah! and I spent the entire night just bawling. Yeah, and... of course. <laughs> Someone gives you something like that, you're just gonna be like, oh, was, like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Nobody's gifts gonna top yeah. this ever. I was, I was just like, yeah. So yeah, if you if you need like a good gift idea, like just make something for somebody, like a book with some like memories that you have. Like, yeah. Honestly, it's it's, it's simple. Find like yeah, find yeah. some old things. Get people uh, that you know that they know to you know. Now nah, that riff didn't make sense. Uh, but get people that they know to answer things for them you know get them to write little memories you're like think your book kind of stuff like that that shit's unreal and you can't purchase that that's not a money amount Mom's. or a mark jacobs watch you know you choose <laughs> second question what's your, what's the second one? second question uh and i'm stealing i'm still actually both of these from tim ferris because nice. he's a very good question asker oh he's a in, great interviewer i guess that's an interviewer yes that's yeah. the proper question, term. No, question question asker, asker. Yeah, yeah. that's what i'm gonna just call myself from now on i think interrogation people also call themselves that though so i mean be careful <laughs> i am an interrogator that's I mean, true this, that's this true that's all time, that journalism <laughs> i just wanted to know like did you do it yeah i did i did uh yeah so salt uh lock me up i'll take the cruiser home <laughs> 
that's the only reason I know this is gonna like you know Work. play well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like the end, this of, is your like, final. end this of cereal kind of thing where it's like, <laughs> oh wait a minute, they they got it on tape on the podcast. Yeah, yeah first episode, guys locked away now because you opened up. And now is when we go back in time, and then I'll interview you five years <laughs> back, I'll give them back. <laughs> and then make sure that I never do it in the first place. Man, time travel's fucked. Time travel is so fucked. <laughs> Second question, second question. Second question. Second question. Um, if you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, where would it be and what would you say? <sighs> Middle of the Sahara, sorry. Sorry to who? Who knows? <laughs> if you're traveling through the middle of the Sahara, <laughs> you're already kind of in a fucked up situation. So you're going to see that thing and be like, well, at least someone said it. <laughs> awesome. Was. That's probably it. <laughs> so this has been uh, less depressed creatives. Yeah. Uh, I'm Josh, aka Rivilla, aka Future Dot Nostalgia, aka what one two Avila. Oh, that's, well, I was hoping oh. you were going to make up a new name for yourself. Oh um, man, I'm not clever enough. For that's, that. I believe in you. I'm I'm uh, Mr. Dude. Nice, Mr. Dude. If I from here on out, if I bought you a shirt that now says Mr. Dude on it, like, the, that's I would great. wear it at every interview. A hundred percent. Hell yeah. Great. When's your birthday? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this has been a conversation with uh, Andy Perry. Hello. Want to wanna do a little plug for, for everything you got going on? Everything that I got going on? Yeah. Uh, hey, Jaggers Improv, come check out our shows. We love to make you laugh. Uh, that's a big one. Uh... Honestly, that's the biggest thing that I want to plug, I think, probably. I'll, I'll put that. links to it in yeah. whenever I end yeah. up posting this. Yeah. That'd be great. I'd love to have yeah. more people see it. Yeah. And they're, they're a great time. Oh, I've, thank you. I've, I've been several times. Yeah. 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 It's... Avid goer. <laughs> I'm your number one fan. Yeah. That's why it's really hard I've to... been searching for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know how everyone has, like, a number one fan, yeah. but they don't really know who it is? Like, if you were to gauge everybody's yeah. name? Um, yeah, I think so I'm always searching for that person. On, my, on the front of my shirts, say Mr. Dude. Mr. Dude, And then back. on the back, it should say Andy Perry's number one fan. You know that that shirt is going to exist within the next six months now. So <laughs> that Amazing. That's all I ever wanted, yeah, that's really. It. That's yeah. it. It's really sad that we're going to have to lock you up now. Cause... <laughs> yeah. Oh, looks like oh, the cops are oh. here. Outro. This has been Less Depressed Creatives. I'm your host, Ravilla. This was our first episode with Andy Perry of Hitchhikers 